Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for another journey into hope, inspiration, and education with our show, Living Hope. Trying to provide real-life information and hope for those living with pancreatic cancer and the community around them. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With our host... I'm not even going to tell you the, the, the bad jokes they were making beforehand. Maybe they'll bring out some of these things here. But uh, our host with the macabre sense of humor, Roberta Little. Welcome. Thank you, Paul. I've got to get through this now. Okay. Go ahead. Admit some of the things you were talking about. Because today's topic is a very serious one. And you were making you were making jokes about it. Here. Well, you got to... I mean, you got to do a little bit, you know. You got to put some laughter in there somewhere. It That's is right. pretty heavy. But before we get to that part of the conversation, <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Courtney Sparkle for joining us again today. We've had her a couple times on Zoom, but we get to actually get her in today. So that's really nice to see you and have you here. So we thank you for being here. And I know you've had a little bit of a change in your professional life. So if you want to just kind of give us a little bit of background, a little bit of where you are right now, that would be awesome. Absolutely. First, thank you again for having me. I enjoy being a part of you know, this podcast and enjoy your sense of humor <laughs> you. very much so. <laughs> uh, but yes, I was formerly uh, the social worker at UC Irvine Health and uh, working in our pancreatic cancer clinics and then running the support group there once a month. So I have transitioned now to private practice and I'm going to be uh, providing individual and couples therapy for people who are affected by cancer and, and chronic illness. So I'm really excited to continue my work in the community but uh, it is a little bittersweet you know as change often is it is and for one i mean i haven't been able to be on the support groups recently mm-hmm. but i will miss you because you were our first you were our first person to help us get it started and very thankful for that so before i completely bug out here that we've teased the audience here. so today's topic is discussing a, a very important needed thing you know, when hope runs out, when when death is clear here, mm. how do you do? What what steps do you do to deal with dying and be prepared for it? Roberta says, "I've got a I got a book at home with all these step by step. I want everybody <laughs> to do." To and I said, "What did you call it?" She said, "Let's put the fun back in funeral." And we were just laughing, like, "Oh, we're gonna have party favors and <laughs> putting us on blast over here." <laughs> <laughs> you gotta call it out here. This is supposed to be off the mic, so. <laughs> but I thought it really was because it's something we can't talk about. So Maybe we have to laugh about it sometimes here. I, I think we do because it is a very serious matter, and it's not something any of us want to think about. Mm-hmm. But whether you're dealing with pancreatic cancer, old age, or other illnesses, sadly or unfortunately, or however you want to look at it, maybe fortunately, we're not all going to be here forever. So, mm-hmm. you know, we need to do whatever it is we can to, I would think, make it easier for those left behind who have to deal with it. I mean, once we're gone, you know, that's it. But we leave back a family who has to deal with it. And Mm -hmm. so we did talk when you were here back on March 24th. So if anybody missed that podcast, you can, you know, you can catch it on on many forms of podcasts on YouTube, different ways to go back, watch it or listen. But we were talking about what to do when someone dies. Mm -hmm. Do you just want to briefly recap what we did talk about? Yeah, definitely. So I want to address first, you know, this idea of hope and hope ending with death. And I think that's a common kind of perception that's out there. But I think, you know, changing what you're hoping for can be an important pivot to more empowerment than helplessness, right? So preparing for your death, preparing your family members for planning a funeral, talking about a checklist of what to do when a loved one dies, this is all still instilling that hope, I think, you know, in terms of 
having something to help moor you when you feel unmoored. At least that's how I look at it. So we did discuss, you know, leaning on your friends and family for support and when planning a funeral and honoring your loved one's wishes, whatever they may be, and kind of embracing the spectrum, you know, of what that looks like. If you want a big gathering or, you know, subscribing to, you know, traditions that and that sense of meaning and, and honoring your loved ones in that sense or something a little more casual. You know, no right or wrong, just right or wrong to you and your loved one. Right. And we did talk mm-hmm. a little bit about also, you know, how to tell people, especially yes. um, children. Mm-hmm. But in planning the funeral, for me, like I said, I too, I guess I'm more of a sense of humor because I want to plan mine ahead of time. And maybe it's mm-hmm. because I'm also a control engineer, I've been told. So <laughs> maybe mixing those two together. But I think it's a great idea to sit down with your family mm-hmm. and tell them, like I said, it doesn't matter what your health issue may be at that time, mm-hmm. you know, but let's sit down, discuss it mm-hmm. and let's do get going with planning the funeral. Mm-hmm. What are some things that would help with the planning of a funeral? Say like mm-hmm. while you're still here that you can put yeah. your two cents in there. Absolutely. I think, you know, being able one, you know, if hopefully you have an open you know relationship with those who you'd be inviting to be a part of this, you know, whether they're your family or your chosen family, <laughs> but having an open you know conversation and addressing you know, whether the de- the big decisions to make, right? Burial or cremation, kind of having a checklist, so to speak, that you can go through. What's important to you in terms of music or who's there, the overall feeling, you know, however detailed you want to be, the better for those who, you know, are made to plan it. And like you said, none of us are getting out of here alive. So this is helpful <laughs> for anybody. <laughs> so maybe a different, uh, a different life, just not here on earth so mm-hmm. much. And I know for my dad, we didn't have that chance. It Mm -hmm. wasn't something we talked about, whereas my mom, it was totally different. (laughs) And she Mm -hmm. was very adamant for whatever reason that when she was buried, she would have house shoes on. Mm -hmm. I don't understand exactly (laughs) why, but I know the funeral director thought we were kind of odd. I think requesting Mm -hmm. house shoes rather than, I guess most people wear dress shoes, apparently. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but um, we just wanted to make sure that everything that she wanted, you know, she told us what she wanted to wear and mm-hmm. how she wanted her hair and make sure she did the red lipstick and, mm-hmm. and the whole shot. So these were things we talked about. And in a comforting, really, maybe the same way I do, it, kind of in a joking way. And yeah. I don't think any way that you want to sit down and talk about it is right or wrong. It's how you're comfortable dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an advanced healthcare directive. Mm-hmm. Is that something that would be helpful to have ahead of time? Or how does that work? I think advanced healthcare directive is most helpful when you're looking at end of life and how you want to live during that time. What's important to you? How do you define comfort? So that's really helpful in defining your wishes and end of life care. Sometimes it addresses, you know, after you've passed as well, like the burial and cremation piece. Um, But it can really help in serving as a template for the conversation with your family in terms of what do we want this to look like? And... Is it best to do that, like before, like before you get ill, or mm-hmm. now if you're healthy, or is there a certain time that it should be looked at? I think the sooner the better. I have one myself. Um, you don't have to have, you know, a serious diagnosis, you know, in order to fill one out, and it may change. Your wishes may change over time too, and you can fill out a new one. But you can just Google, you know, California Advanced Healthcare Directive, and sit with your family and fill it out your hospital or your primary care doctor, oncologist, et cetera, you know, should have copies in their office as well. And then how does somebody find like 
when you die, where do you go from there? What happens at that point? Mm-hmm. Where does the body go, and, and where do you what do you do from that point? Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of depends, uh, you know, on where someone passes, and we touched on this a little bit, you know, last time in terms of getting the official notification of death. But if you are in a facility or, or hospital, you know, they hold it for you for a period of time as you choose your your funeral home, um, and then they will. You know, take care of transport from there and the preparation, you know, of the body for whether burial or, or cremation or whatever your wishes are. And how would you go about any suggestions on how would you go about choosing a mortuary? Do you just choose mm-hmm. what's close at home or what are you looking for? Uh, well, oftentimes, as I've seen it, it's, you know, kind of get a referral from, you know, a friend or family member. I use so and so, you know, in the past. But your social worker in your oncologist's office, if they have one, typically keeps a list, you know, of updated mortuaries just in the community. I'd recommend calling a couple just to kind of get a sense of their pricing, you know, and their services, kind of the feel, if you will, (laughs) you know, how friendly they are, how comfortable, you know, they make you feel. Because it is a bit of a, you know, that fit is important too, in terms of the people you're going to be working with or your family's going to be working with. Right. And when you're trying to make these arrangements, is it good to get the family involved or is it better Mm -hmm. just to have like maybe one or two people that make the decision or Mm -hmm. what's the least I guess troublesome or hard for the family to do so it's kind of uh you know a double-edged sword in some ways Mm -hmm. it's great to have family involved to lean on for support but a lot of voices can make it really confusing when you're having to make decisions in a relatively brief amount of time so I'd say appointing you know a decision maker which you can do with the advanced healthcare directive so that person has final say in the decisions, but they're consulting with trusted family member and friends is typically the best way to go about it. Sometimes I've seen with families where, you know, you have that one person that, you know, mom or dad asked to make those decisions mm-hmm. and they're trying to do what, you know, that person wanted, mm-hmm. but they're getting a lot of flack and, you know, yeah. upset from family. How, mm-hmm. how is the best way to deal with that and yeah. try to keep, you know, funerals sometimes or death brings out you can bring out the best in somebody but can also bring out the worst so what is some good advice for that so true (laughs) (laughs) you know family dynamics are going to be different in each situation but it's very common very normal to have different opinions and you know emotions are running high you know you're dealing with very fresh grief as you're having to plan this big event and many times I would say you know, going back again to that advanced healthcare directive, having something in writing that if there's any kind of discrepancy, you can point to and say, this is what mom wanted. You know, we want to honor what she wanted. And it clearly says here <laughs> what she wanted. There's no disputing that it can be really helpful. And the detailed, the better in situations like that, because it can really help to kind of bring emotions down and refocus, you know, on the wishes of your loved one. Yeah, and again, I know it's a difficult subject and it's it's hard to talk about, but mm-hmm. in all honesty, that's why, you know, I, I would rather have everything that I mm-hmm. want written down or so that my family knows what I want, mm-hmm. just so to take that off their plate, because right. it's a lot to try to go and make these decisions when you're an emotional wreck, you know, it's really yeah, hard because you're kind of, I think you're even kind of in a shock. I don't know if you mm-hmm. really understand or, ex- or know what's happening until afterwards you're so 
you put yourself at least i did with my dad you put yourself in a different mode Mm -hmm. that you're just trying to get through everything and it isn't Mm -hmm. until later that it really hits you but you've lost somebody you really love absolutely um just you know the best advice i think i would give is please you know i know it's difficult but sit down and talk to your family tell them what you want take that off their plate Mm -hmm. so they don't have to plan it and they don't maybe have to have you know the ruckus that can happen in families and whatnot so um now, if somebody was um, in the military, mm-hmm. or I know that, does it like fraternities do something special for mm-hmm. for somebody when they pass? Or? So there are different um, and of different ways that can look. If you were in the military, you know you have certain benefits from the VA or any other kind of um, organizations you're you're a part of, or if you're getting benefits from Social Security Administration. So. All of those kind of entities are what you may want to check in with if you are the kind of designated decision maker or you're someone supporting the designated decision maker after a loved one has passed. So checking in with those entities and seeing if there are any kind of benefits, so to speak, or you know something that needs to be done you know, after that, that death. In terms of benefits, that's where it can be kind of most beneficial, but in terms of tradition and honoring someone, you know, there's a piece of that too, especially with the VA. And if they were in the military or mm-hmm. are, what, where do they go? Who do they contact? Is it the mm-hmm. VA.com or where, where do they actually yeah. go to? Um, so they should, um, and this is a, a little out of my kind of realm of, of knowledge, I apologize, but uh, there's usually, you know, a case manager or someone that someone may be already connected with, like if they're okay. service connected and they receive benefits already from the VA. If not, um, you know, if they weren't disabled due to their service, um, I would probably start with an internet search of mm-hmm. what department, you know, to inform, like if you want military, you know, military burial, you know, if that's their wishes. And that would be helpful to be aware of beforehand, yeah. <laughs> to be looking yeah. that up beforehand. So that would be part of the preparation in terms of knowing what to do when the time comes. Yeah, especially with the VA, because I think there's a lot of documents you have to come up with mm-hmm. and, you know, can be difficult, especially if a long time has gone by or in some cases, some documents have been destroyed or missing. So right, right. Um, if you can get that probably ahead of time, it would probably right be the best thing to do. Save a lot of stress for later <laughs> exactly. for your loved ones. Yeah. Exactly. Now, when when you die, who do you have to notify? Who needs to be mm-hmm. notified immediately or right away besides family? Yeah, so there's a bit of a list, <laughs> bit of a list. Um, but I want to, you know, kind of go into the benefit of having this list and being organized, especially when you have that fresh grief and you're feeling in shock. It's something to, you know, be able. It's like a blueprint. <laughs> this is what I have to do. So this is what I can focus on, you know, before going to this next chapter here. So. Um, Social Security Administration is someone you want to you know inform right away, especially if that person was getting benefits, because um, you can get uh, one time it's like two hundred twenty-five dollar um, GRE uh, payment that can help with some of the other expenses. Um, or if that person has dependents, you can start the process of getting a benefit increase for them. And notifying the employer of your loved one if they were employed at the time to see if there's you know unpaid time off for union death benefits, you know, the 401k, etc. Mm-hmm. And then getting the certified copies of the death certificate is another important thing in order to notify everybody else. So you have that, you know, kind of copy ready to go. So you want to order a lot of them. <laughs> and how do you go about ordering those? Where do you do that? You can order them from the vital records um, in your county. Uh, in Orange County, there's a nice 
you know, link online. They make it pretty easy, but it is $24 a copy and you will need about 10 to 20. Wow. Thanks. You're going to be making a lot of notifications. You would be surprised how many people want that, want that <laughs> official death notification to prevent fraud, et cetera. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that. And one thing, I don't know if this is something that all mortuaries do, but they actually did help us get those death certificates. Yes, they usually can uh, step in and help with that process. Sometimes they may not get you as many copies as you need, so it's helpful right. to know where to go if you need additional copies. Yes, thank yeah. you. And what about like notifying insurance companies, mm-hmm. life insurance, car? I mean, oh goodness, yes. There's, you know, <laughs> sorry. No, there is. There's banks, um, credit cards, gym membership, mortgage, utilities. It can help to put a forwarding address um, in with a post office. So all that the person's mail comes to you. So you get a sense of what their monthly bills are, what their membership, their subscriptions are. And you can make a list as you go and cancel services as you go and then make a list of any outstanding you know, balance from all of these accounts as well and help you get organized. And is there a form like with the post office that you can fill out, like letting them know that that person is deceased? And yeah, so it's not uh, like an easy online service. Oh, some you know, someone passed. I want all their mail to come to me, right? Because yeah. <laughs> there's too much of a margin of you know right. taking advantage of that. But if you visit the post office and you know bring one of your 15, 20 copies <laughs> of that you know official death certification, you know, then they'll be able to help you. And I know there's like a time frame, maybe like 10 days to two weeks or something Mm -hmm. that you need to notify. Is that when all this would transpire or who do you notify in that period of time? Right. I'd say you don't really need to start the notifications outside of family and loved ones until about two weeks or so after your loved one passes. You have some time, you know, focusing on the funeral and arrangements Mm -hmm. first, taking a couple of days to breathe which is not enough time as we know but you have about 10 days to two weeks before you need to start all of these official notifications and once you start these notifications and about mm-hmm. what time like i know it's it's difficult my dad's been gone for a number of years and i still get mm-hmm. mail for him yeah and even though we've notified everybody and mm-hmm. is there any way that people can not have that happen because you know it depend on when you get that letter it can be a, another emotional issue that you it deal can, with it can be you know? emotional trigger for you yeah. to get mail for someone who's passed when you've done everything in your power to you know inform them that you know this person should no longer be receiving mail you know, there isn't a foolproof way, you know, error is going to happen, you know, we're humans, you know, on both sides. So you may continue to get those things from time to time. If you go straight to the source, you know, <laughs> and try to inform them and, you know, let them know, please don't send me anything, which can be very tedious and you know, very burdensome, especially at first. But eventually, as time goes, you should be receiving less and less and hopefully get to a point where you're not receiving any. I wish there was an easy way. Maybe there is one that I'm not aware of. Yeah, we'll have to see. Maybe somebody out there has an easy way Maybe, for us to yeah. do that. It's like, like I said, my dad's been gone over 20 years and I'm still getting mail from every yeah. so often. What about like if the person, hopefully they've done that, has made their, their will in Last Testament, mm-hmm. where are those copies? Who knows mm-hmm. about them? I mean, I'm sure not every family member knows whether they've been in the, in the put in the will or not, right? Right. So what happens with it? How do you find out uh, if mm-hmm. there is one that exists? Well, I would say, you know, beforehand, <laughs> it would be great to inform your family. But if a written will does not exist or you don't know of one that does exist, you know, getting a like a state attorney involved can be helpful just with some guidance, if you have to take the estate to probate, you know, et cetera, um, that can help 
you know, and being able to navigate all of that because it can be a little tedious mm-hmm. doing it on your own. It's possible, you know, if you feel like you have the bandwidth to do that, it's certain it's certainly possible. But it would involve, you know, taking inventory of the assets, um, you know, individual and estate, you know, fielding lots of phone calls, making all these notifications and contacting the IRS because uh, you will have to fill out an estate tax return to close the estate. It's doable with some organization, but when we're talking about coping with a recent death of a loved one, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a great moment of some self-care and some self-love to get a professional involved for some support. Yes. Now that you bring that up, though, what are some mm-hmm. other self-care, self-love that somebody mm-hmm. can give to themselves when they're going through this? Yeah, I think it looks a little bit different, you know, for everybody. I'd say having your social support, you know, trying to ask for help, even if it's not easy, (laughs) being able to be mindful of the range of emotions that are going to come up and just acknowledging them um, and, and trying to work through them is important. You know, therapy is an immensely helpful skill when you're dealing with grief. When someone passes, it's close to us. It's you know, the relationship with them kind of evolves. You always have your time together in that relationship, but you're starting a new relationship with grief. And it's very complicated. Yeah, it <laughs> and it can help to have some guidance in that. What do you say to somebody? Because I've heard this before is, well, you know, get over it and move on. Mm-hmm. What do you say to somebody who says that? Or how, how, how do you handle something like that? Yeah, say if only. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't work that way. Life is messy and and love is messy. You know, it's worth it. But dismissing the complexity and the difficulty of this time isn't going to help anybody. That's just adding on guilt, you know, on top of the grief and pressing everything down. You're just going to erupt, you know, at one point or another. (laughs) And and we've talked a few times, you know, about how it seems like, at least in today's world with a lot of people, they don't do anything. They don't really do funerals or services mm-hmm. or memorials or they just, you know, kind of pass it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I've, I've come from, we, we do funerals, we do, you know, masses, we do ceremonies, we mm-hmm. do things where you honor them, we acknowledge their death. Yeah. To me, that makes it, I don't, not, I don't want to say easier, but mm-hmm. is it going to be harder for someone who doesn't do anything at all to acknowledge that, to yeah. get over or to grieve or to move on? It certainly could be. You know, I think not having that sense of closure that can come so often with having a more formal service, it can live, leave you with a sense of, you know, that relationship is unfinished in a lot of ways, or you're not acknowledging how you really feel, you know, about this person passing. And that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. I think in some situations, you know, with whatever is going on that may be, you know, a healthy choice for someone. But in many times, there's a concern there that it does make it harder. It is. And I know I've had friends who didn't want anything done. Mm-hmm. And and it just, it, I don't know, I felt empty. I felt like mm-hmm. kind of at a loss because I didn't know, what do I do with this? There's nobody to go give a hug to, say, I'm sorry for yeah. your loss. And it, mm-hmm. it just uh, it makes it very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I know Paul has a question. Mm-hmm. I do. I'm trying not to pipe in because every time you think, yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I think one of the questions I have, is there a place mm-hmm. to go 
We live in a world where we want steps. We want a checklist. Mm-hmm. We want something easy mm-hmm. that in a time of crisis when I can't think clearly, mm-hmm. I wish it helps if there's an advanced directive. It helps if there's mm-hmm. a will. It helps if the funeral's from plan. There, there's some instruction. I'm a Catholic, so it was helpful to know there's sort of a process to, mm-hmm. to help you process this thing and mm-hmm. to go through and things kick into place. But you listed a whole bunch of things. I got to get this. I got to get this. I got to do this. Don't forget this. I got to notify somebody. I got to get a copy of the death certificate. I got to mm-hmm. do all these things. I wonder if it wouldn't be helpful to have, like an earthquake preparedness. Earthquake, you you, you pull it out and you start (laughs) checking off. Here's my earthquake kit. I I put it aside, I hope I never use it, but should I have to? Mm -hmm. There's a place I go, because I'm running around with a chicken like my head cut off. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a bad analogy to talk about <laughs> death here. But, but it, is, it, it, it is a very, I've gone through it several times. My mom, dad, my, mm-hmm. my uh, mother's sister. I was an only child, so I was tasked with taking care of this. I wish we'd had, mm-hmm. I wish I'd had some sort of go-to document that gone through this. Because I mm-hmm. forgot stuff. We failed to do stuff. Anger, guilt, frustration. Yeah. Uh, anxiety, all those things are added at a time you don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. So is there a place to go? So yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. It yes, depends. and there are variations of this kind of checklist that you can find online. When I was coming up with my own kind of list, you know, for the purpose of, of this podcast, I took from lots of different resources and made something that was a little more concise. So I would love to format it into a checklist and share it with you Please. and maybe awesome. you can post yeah. it. Um, but I completely agree with you. Having a preparedness, you know, checkoff sheet right. is immensely helpful and gives you, you know, grief is messy and there's no right or wrong way to do it. But something like this is more straightforward and it's helpful to have that checklist so you can feel like you are accomplishing something you know what you need to do you know how to put one foot in front of the other with something like that so i completely agree and my only other question is maybe this is a time for another show again here but in this world where we're perennially young we're the aging baby boomers we're the peter pan generation i'm never going to get old i'm never going to get died i don't want to hear about it i don't want to hear anything negative not i don't want to hear about it mom and dad i don't want to talk about it to my kids i don't want to face it when it happens I wonder if there aren't, this is just anecdotal on my part, but it seems like fewer and fewer people are prepared. And fewer and fewer people then end up doing anything. There is no funeral. There is no ceremony. There is no goodbye. The body is immediately cremated and put in a closet, and we move on. And I can give examples of cousins and aunts and friends of mine who said, I'm not going to a funeral. We're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad's just gone. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that doesn't, it seems like, a child's reaction. I can't face it, so I'm not going to do anything. Mm. But at the same time, I don't know if that really ever it, it helps you heal, and I don't know if that helps. I don't know if that honors the the person who passed. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling. But so, what do you think? You think mm. people are less and less funerals are mm. the end of all this stuff is getting reduced down to just the bare minimum with the legal requirements, and then I don't want to do anything, mm. or are people still embracing? having a rite of passage here yeah you know i'm not sure what the you know national trends are um just personally especially the last couple of years with covid you know we haven't had you know big celebrations you know uh, couldn't even go exactly couldn't even hold them and so you know what do you do you know to honor that person i think what you're speaking to is more the avoidance you know of, of people who just can't cope don't want to accept you know, that someone close to them has passed. And, you know, that goes into our grief process. You know, we talk about five stages of grief, right? right? That eventual acceptance that you want to arrive to. Not everybody does. 
you know, and in these situations when you're the decision maker and you don't get there uh, and you're stuck in that kind of denial phase, it does have ripple effects, you know, on everyone around you. There's no easy answer, you know, to it. But we did a show for years with a grief counselor Mm -hmm. and she said she really felt like this is powerful. Death is the last taboo topic. Mm -hmm. We can talk about anything else in your life, sometimes (laughs) excruciating deeds. Oh, my God, I don't need to know all of this stuff (laughs) here. And yet when it comes to death, we just put it aside. We can't even use the word death. They passed. Mm -hmm. We lost them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not with us anymore. And then we just move on very quickly. I, when my mother and dad and aunt all died, we went through the full Catholic ceremony. They were buried and everything. And, and this is out of Forest Lawn out in, mm-hmm. out in the desert. And I asked the guy, I said, is this my impression correct? He said, you're absolutely right. This is, everything's shrinking down to almost nothing here. Mm-hmm. Wow. A little quick celebration life for 10 minutes and move on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's difficult, but again, like I said, I I can't imagine not acknowledging them and honoring them in some mm-hmm. way. It I just, can't either. It just yeah. doesn't feel right, and maybe it's the way I was brought up. I don't know, but uh, we've always done something, and mm-hmm. you know, um, for just, them and for you, you I, I yeah. really believe. Mm-hmm. As I think hard, it's more for us, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. As hard as it was to they go don't know. through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll let you know sometime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not something that you know. You're, it, it, I think we do it for ourselves for to make us feel better or what we feel we need to do. To and I can only reiterate that those in my life who were planned made it a heck of a lot easier on mm-hmm. those who were here like me. Mm-hmm. My dad had it all spelled out down to the booze he wanted served at the party here. Well, I got to go with your dad on that. Yes. <laughs> Did he have a book, though? Uh, I don't know. You should have. You should have written it up. But he was like, I want the good booze, and I want it on the shelf. I know you're going to go cheap, and I want it up there. <laughs> so there it is. Yeah, this is for you. Yeah. Well, I've got the book. We Maybe we'll bring it out someday and go through it. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I, want, I want to thank you for joining us again today. I know this was a difficult subject to talk about and I thank everybody for sticking it out and listening and in no way takes away any hope but what we are hoping to do is just to make it easier for yourself and if you just have all this information stop and talk and find out what you all want what do you want to happen when you know your time is up what is it you want us to do and so that we can honor you in that way and make it easier for your family as Mm -hmm. well and I'll I'll add that it took uh, my dad because he was planned about it put it aside and didn't worry about it. So as he was dying, as mm-hmm. the end came near, he wasn't worrying about, well, wait a minute, here's mm-hmm. one more thing, and what do I do here? Make sure you do this, make sure you do this. I, that was more my mother and my aunt, you know, trying to go through this. And I was like, honest to God, we, do we need to be worrying about this now? Mm-hmm. Yes, because that's their thoughts as they're realizing death is near here. They're, they're, they're getting anxious. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would add to my list is probably more songs. Yeah, more songs. Okay, <laughs> more drinking songs. <laughs> Put Sorry. the fun back in funeral. There that's you it. go. That's, right. that's, that's, that's right. where we're going to end it. And as you know, at the end of each episode, we do. As long as you speak my name, I shall live forever. Is dedicated today to Lupe Romero. Lupe was a seven-year pancreatic cancer survivor that she fought three times when she died in 2019. Lupe inhaled life to the fullest, the good, the bad, and her story is a message of resilience and hope. She will continue to be an inspiration. And she was my skydiving partner, and her spirit will be with me on Saturday when I take the leap of faith for the ninth time.
Wow, and you're going up in a plane for the ninth time and for jump the ninth out? time, yes, I am. Talk and about I have... tempting fate here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I have eight others who will be joining me. Another mm-hmm. survivor will be her first time, and then we have two others who will be their first time jumping. So we have Amazing. three, I call them, sorry, virgin jump, jumpers because they've <laughs> yeah. never jumped before. Yeah. We have a couple others that have jumped mm-hmm. a few times, and one that this will be her second. Where do you go so. out to, like at Lake Elsinore or something? No, we have Paris. Um, Lake Paris? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, we go out there. Not. I wish it were real Paris, but no, Paris <laughs> <laughs> and we jumped from there. So this will, like I said, will be my ninth. And had COVID not interfered, it would probably be my 11th because we we've been doing that for a number of years. So wow. We go and we do it every April. So thank you for everybody for coming out, cheering us on, and thanking we're crazy. And can we do a shout out for, for all of us who listen to the show and who love you? Aren't you in your... Aren't you 20 now here? I'm officially right. 20, yes. Thank you. I turned 20 on, on April 1st. So 20 years you. as a survivor. Yeah, yeah, so thank you. I appreciate that. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> well there you have it folks sometimes you get a laugh or cry i don't know which but uh, this show brings out both of them here as we as we journey together a weekly journey called living hope designed to provide hope inspiration and education for those living with pancreatic cancer sharing the real life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and all around them If you'd like to share your story, we'd welcome you coming on the show. Simply contact us here at the station uh, or at the PanCan Network. And if you or anyone you know needs help like right now, there's a number. Call PanCan Services at 877-2-PANCAN. That's 877-2-PANCAN for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And for me, well, I'm Paul Roberts from the OC Talk Radio Network, inviting you to join us again on this journey of living hope right here in Orange County's only community radio station, streaming live from the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. <laughs>